please make sure that your seatbelt securely fastened. At this time, I ask that all portable electronic devices be turned off. Thank you. Welcome to the Vagabond Exchanges number 18 podcast. That's right. Number 18. Which technically it's like number 20. 19, yeah. Because we've done two two-part episodes. Right. So if you've listened to me ramble for the last 10 seconds, thanks for <laughs> hanging in there and not turning this off. Um, once again, this is Emily and William. Say hi, William. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving. Yes, happy Thanksgiving. We're coming to you from a dining room somewhere in Nashville yeah. on a rainy Sunday afternoon. Mm-hmm. This is the official beginning of the holiday season. Correct so. window. Well, official for us. Right. Some people start their Christmas uh, celebration. Yeah, exactly. Have you done any Christmas shopping yet? You didn't, I have done a little bit. Did you do any of the Black Friday? No. Okay. No. I don't do I don't do that. Why is it Black Friday? Why can't it be White Friday? Because it's the time of year when retailers attempt to reconcile oh, their finances and go from in being in the red to in the black. It's not everything's a That's, race reference. Yeah, plan. well, how did it start out to? Okay, how did it actually start being out, out being in the black, black is, is a good. good thing. So where, where are you going with this one? Exactly. I have to find a conspiracy in anything. <laughs> so nonetheless. Uh, neither William nor I celebrated Black Friday or African American Friday, as William likes to call it. Right, ne- um, Negro Friday. <laughs> I'm not saying. That. <laughs> um, but I, plus, I like to do most of my shopping online, which I think you do as well. I do. I don't see the like. I, I really do not see the merit. The only time I shop for myself, or I'm sorry, the only time I do not shop online is when I'm buying groceries. Or housewares, which I go to like Target because it's El Cheapo. Right. Or clothes because most of the time for clothes. Sometimes I'll, on a whim, buy things online, but I'm really a trier honor, so it's hard for me to buy without trying on. But other than that, gifts, big ticket items, I don't want to deal with the store. I don't want to talk to anybody. I'd rather research what I need online and buy it there and just have it delivered to my house. Yes. Or to work, which is where right. I usually have things delivered. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm the same way. I used to have a tradition with a friend mm-hmm. that, you know, after Thanksgiving, we would hook up and hit, you know, all the malls and all the stores and, you know, r- get in with the congestion of the crowds and all that. But no, there's no appeal in no. that anymore. So, And actually, what did it in for me? I think I told you this story. Um, it's probably been two years now. A friend and I went shopping. It wasn't the day after Thanksgiving, but it was within that like kind of three-week period where you cannot go out without there being 10 million other people at any retailer that you visit. Mm-hmm. And we were going to a few different stores in kind of this complex, and one of them was a Christian bookstore. And she had to pick up something for a relative there. So we um, we went in the bookstore. We finished up our stuff. We were getting in the car, and we see this, um, I don't know, it was probably, it was a newer model minivan come, like, barreling around the corner into the Christian bookstore. They hit a shopping cart so hard that the shopping cart flew up in the air, like, somersaulted <laughs> and landed, like, on the windshield and, like, hood of another car that was parked there right. and then just zoomed off. So I got their license plate number. And we went into the the bookstore and said, you know, this happened. It was one of the, like the teenage employees who worked there whose car was massacred by this like rogue shopping cart. But I was just like, really, a minivan? Like, like this is what we've been reduced to. Like during holiday shopping, you can't like stop to say, sorry, I catapulted a shopping cart into. Yeah, the- but would they have done that any other time? Of I the don't year? know. I maybe I I'm speculating. Yeah. No, you're right. But it just seems like around this time of year, everything gets really frenzied and people act silly. Yeah. I mean, Christmas, for a lot of people, Christmas is like a Christian thing. Right. And it's like the time of year when people act the, the least most Christian. Yeah. yeah. So. I concur. But that's what did it in for me. I was like, after that, I thought, not again, not doing this again. What's the uh, big 
ticket item this year? I don't know. I used to follow that like for, um, like, I don't know what it is, the Today Show or Good Morning America or something. Every day, the day after Thanksgiving, talks about like what hot kids items there are, like Tickle Me Elmo or whatever those other toys are. And right. usually I know what it is, but I don't know what it is this year. Yeah, I don't either. Plus, I don't. Well, I have one child that I buy for, but he's little enough that he doesn't really know the famous, really trendy stuff. Right. So I can get him pretty much anything, and he's happy. Yeah. So anyway, you won't see William and I at the store this year. No. And uh, we should say that this holiday season we had planned, at least we said on the last podcast, that we were going to go to uh, San Francisco Yes. for New Year's. But the plans have changed. We both decided that it's not uh, economically, economically feasible. advantageous right. for us to do that. Right. So, so we've decided to, to go to Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. Chicago. Which, by the way, if you're in the Nashville area or pretty much anywhere else, I think, tickets to Chicago are hella cheap. So if you want somewhere to go, and from what I can tell from the research I've done online and the friends that I have there, there's tons of stuff to do. But we got our tickets for like what? Under a hundred bucks round trip, or right at a hundred bucks round trip. Uh, a little bit more, about one fifty. Really? Yeah, because I think it's ninety going one way. Because we decided to take a later flight, so it's like ninety and fifty. It's fifty one way and ninety oh. the other. But you could you could get out if you took really early flights. You could get in and out for around one hundred and twenty bucks with yes. all the taxes and everything. Right. So it's not bad, and the hotel you can find pretty decent hotel fare. Yep. As and well. We're looking for uh, Bulls tickets. Yes. So if you, so you want to give us some, that'd be great. Right. For the 29th yes. of December. Correct. And really any other free items if you'd like to <laughs> right. give them to us. <laughs> if you have a Afghan that you no longer use or. <laughs> well, I was more thinking a related baby booty. To, to Chicago. <laughs> oh. But. <laughs> Garden hose. I'll take anything. But Afghan. Like Fred Sanford. And the Afghan. Aren't Afghans funny? They all look the same. Like, it doesn't matter whose house you visit. Somebody has an Afghan that looks exactly like one your mom had at her house. Right. right? They're very warm. They are warm. We had, like, a green, like, it was, like, an avocado green, marigold, and brown colored Afghan that I remember as a little kid. My mom has a blue, black, yellow, and orange one. Yeah. Yeah. Afghans are awesome. They are. So, yes, we celebrated Thanksgiving over the last few days. Mm-hmm. At least that's what I feel like. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? I did. I hung out with you mm-hmm. and my my papa. Your papa, yes. And we... Ate, drank, and were merry. Right. And watched a lot of football. <laughs> we did watch a lot of football. Yeah. But it was good. And it, it was nice and warm and cozy at your house. And we had a lot of food. Yes. And William did a wonderful job cooking, for those of so you who did wondered. So did you. Um, Emily made some, what is it, sweet potato casserole. casserole that my dad raved about. Did he really like it? Yeah. Good. He said, I've never had it made. It was I've never had it where it was made like this before. It's very good. And basically the secret to the sweet potato casserole is take, like, you know, a fairly healthy sweet potato and add sugar, cream, and butter to it, and it makes it taste really good. <laughs> Apparently so. <laughs> it, is, it was very delicious. Well, yours was really good, too. I had... Uh, greens for the first time collard greens collard greens sorry yes for the first time this year and they were delicioso i must admit i did enjoy them they were good quite a while to make them i've never made them before but it was a labor of love though because they turned out awesome yep so so if you want my recipe for collard greens just go on to all recipes.com because it's not really mine. <laughs> it's funny, too, because we had dinner with friends uh, the day after Thanksgiving, and they were asking us what we made, and we were kind of running down the list, and our friend said, how do you make your collard greens, or where did, what recipe do you use? And you said, uh, I got one out like online or something right. like that, yeah. in your usual deadpan delivery, which <laughs> made it even funnier. Yeah. So, happy Thanksgiving, William. Happy Thanksgiving, Emily. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for you <laughs> and your creamy Liar. goodness. Yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, I guess we should start with, we've seen three movies we since have. our last podcast. Correct. So, 
do you want to get started with the Let's get first started one? with our movie reviews, yes. All right. Um, well, William and I have been very excited to see Precious, um, which has been pretty heavily advertised. We'd seen lots of interviews with the stars of Precious. And Precious is uh, follows a story of a teenage girl. I think she's 16. Yep. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Um, named Precious. See, Precious Jones is her full Clarice. name. Clarice. Clarice, yep. yes. Um, and she lives with um, her abusive mother, played by Monique. Mm-hmm. And um, is pregnant with the second with her second child fathered by her actual father. Right. So she's living in a not so pleasant environment, I guess you could say. She's been kicked out of school. Um, She's got social workers, and um, she's trying to get into kind of an alternative school. Um, And basically, it just kind of follows that story of how she figures her way out of all of that. It's almost like a path. To redemption type thing. Right. And we should say that this story is based on the novel Push that's written by Sapphire, which I've never read it. Have you? I haven't either, but I, I, I want to read it. Now yeah. we should share that and talk about it. Actually, all three of our movie reviews this week are based, are on, based books. on books. Based on books. Good call. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was really looking forward to seeing this, even though I knew that going into it, it was going to be hard to watch, just given all of the kind of. Uh, because the the abuse that Precious goes through is very graphic right. and also very disturbing to think that one person kind of goes through all of this stuff that they portray in the movie. Right. So, um, yeah. So I don't want to encroach on your no no thoughts. You're not. Um, it was very difficult to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess as time went on, I thought more and more about this movie, and one thing that occurred to me was uh, I made a comparison between this movie and A Serious Man. Okay. Because in both films, you kind of have people that are going through kind of these trials and tribulations. Right. But it's the despair and loneliness that you feel with uh, Precious Mm -hmm. is a lot more palpable than what you feel with A Serious Man. Yeah, And maybe that's why it meant, it kind of resonated with me a lot more than the Coen Brothers film. Right. Which almost... I'm sure it was deep to a lot of people, but Mm -hmm. kind of had a shallow kind of feel to me. Like, I mean, there was a kind of a philosophical kind of, there was a longing in the guy to kind of like, why am I here or whatever. But then in Precious, you have this one part where she just writes, why me? Yeah. And it's a lot more tangible to me. I mean, I can feel that and why she's asking that. Right. The stuff that she goes through is so much worse to me than what the guy in a serious man went through, right. which was bad. But but I mean, for her it's an emotional and, and mental and and definitely physical survival that right. she's trying to retain. I don't feel, feel like the guy in this in a serious man like his life was ever really threatened. I didn't feel that way either, and I also thought there was definitely a difference between an adult dealing with other adult issues, such as parenting and uh, failure of a marriage, than a child dealing with adult issues like right. And I don't sex even know and, ch- and childbearing and yeah, welfare and some of those issues. Like I mean, incest isn't even an adult issue. It's, right, it's completely apart from that. It's like an issue that. It's just affects any age, but it's something that shouldn't affect anyone, right? Exactly. And um, and uh, you know, abject poverty. Yes. And living with someone who you don't know the past of this person, right? But it almost seems like she's w- trying to continue this cycle of you know self loathing, right? And uh, it's almost like a martyrish approach to this like she's doing it because she has to or something I, I i had a hard time pinpointing there were elements of everything in this mother like there was a little bit of laziness because she just didn't she didn't appear to want to work or have the wherewithal to find a job she kind of lies to her caseworker and right. and manipulates the system so that she continues to get this money there were little tiny peaks of vulner or, or glimpses of vulnerability um, because obviously she's heartbroken over the fact that her boyfriend, husband, whatever, is sleeping with her daughter right. and basically molesting her from the age of like three or something like that. Um, but then there also is like this cruelty that you know is rooted in something deeper than just 
her being upset about her own situation. Like there were obviously some things that had built up within her that it kind of allowed her to turn into just this monster of a person. Right. So she, that character was very multifaceted. And you wonder, I wondered, you know, was her life similar to what, what, what she had to go through? Was it similar to what Precious had to go through? Right, like her childhood. Yeah. Right. But then you see pictures of her when Precious was just a baby. Right. And it almost seems like she was a completely different person. Exactly. So I wonder if it was the, you know, what happened with her husband and the abuse the and, uh, you know, the incestuous relationship with her daughter between her husband and her daughter, if that's what kind of turned her. Right. Um, and also the fact that it seemed like he was all she really had to hold on to. So when she once she lost that, maybe she just lost it all together. And that desire to, to work or, you know, that laziness just kind of fell upon her. Right. Because she really felt like she had no choice, no alternative in life to be anything other than what she was becoming. And and another thing, too, about this movie that a few of the characters show is sort of, there's sort of this underlying, this undercurrent of um, your physical attributes and self-esteem sort of playing into all of this all these things that were happening both to the mother and to uh, Precious, who's played by a plus-size actress named Gabori Sidibe. Right. But both of them are overweight. Obviously, Monique has done a lot kind of um, addressing that, and she's got a lot of shows and contests and things specifically for women who are plus-sized. But a lot of the references that, that both of them make in regards to this abuse and incest have to do with their weight and how they were treated by men who basically said, you know, there's a lot of references to fat ass and, you know, just be quiet, things like that. Like, you don't get to have an opinion because you're heavy. And so I thought that that is a very interesting argument, I think, too, that kind of played into why they allowed these things to kind of continue and happen to them. Because there's there are things, I think, that you accept when you don't feel good about yourself that you wouldn't necessarily accept or that people don't expect you to accept if you're if you fit into kind of the societal norms of being thin and pretty and attractive. Right. Um luckily for her in the film she had there were certain characters that um were there to kind of boost her self-esteem. Right. Um both white characters and African American characters right. and there were also uh, characters that had lifestyles that before Precious knew these people, she had right. an idea or an opinion of what these kind of people were like or whatever. Right. And so, but with influences, like she had certain teachers that were very supportive. There was a, a, a nurse yes, um, that helped her during her second pregnancy that was very supportive, um, who happened to be an African-American male played by Lenny, Lenny Kravitz, Kravitz. And I think this is his first acting role. I know he actually did a great, we should talk a little bit about some of these supporting characters because they almost made the movie for me. Right. Lenny Kravitz being one of them who played kind of this, like he was tough, but he also had this sweet kind he's of a little bit of a weirdo in yeah. a certain way. I mean, he's like, all, he ate like all natural foods. Yes. And, very yoga, granola yeah. kind right. of guy. Um, um, Sherry and he's also very cute, by the way. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I wasn't like attracted to Lenny Kravitz until I saw that movie. Oh, really? Yeah. So anyway, sorry. Continue. Um, Sherry Shepard yes. is in it. And I think we both kind of... I, w- I wasn't a big Sherry Shepard fan. No, but um, now I Yeah, she I did a, a really good job in it. Her. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Paula Patton, who plays Miss Rain. Uh, Slash your future. The future... Mr. William. Yeah. Future Mrs. William. Yeah. <laughs> She's a, a beautiful woman. But uh, anyway. but plays a very endearing, down-to-earth character who really, cha- like, she becomes Precious's champion. Right. Wants her to write, help her. It's like her. the polar opposite of her mom. Exactly. Yes. Um, Mariah Carey. Yes. Who plays the, uh, what, the welfare, the social. Social worker, I think, yeah. is her official title. But she plays kind of, she has this kind of body New York accent, like she's a little sassy, but also a little. You can tell she cares about Precious, but she has to create kind of a professional, I guess, screen between she and Precious. But you kind of see how she's. It's harder for her to do that as the story the relationship progresses. develops. Because I guess at some point in the film, they talk about they've been seeing each other for a year, right? So I would think it would be impossible to sit across from someone and have the kind of conversations that they had, right? And not find yourself attracted to them you know as a, yeah exactly yeah. 
And I liked that. Um, I actually was pleasantly surprised with her performance because, you know, I've seen Mar- Mariah Carey's done other, like, small ro- roles and things like that aside from her glitter glory days. Right. But I never, I felt like this was the most natural for her. Like, she, nothing seemed forced. She didn't seem, she didn't seem like she was acting. So I was kind of impressed with yeah. the job that she did with that So role. Like she totally embraced that character. It's yeah. Like- I don't know. She could identify with her in some way. Yeah, she's exactly what I would have pictured as like. And this story takes place in the late '80s, I guess. Right, '87. Yeah. yeah. And so I could totally picture her as both, both physically as well as the way she talked and sort of this office setup that they have, this little cube farm in the, in the I don't know where that office is housed, but some you know government bureaucracy office. All of it. They did a really great job of putting that all together. So it it. There was continuity between what you know and how you think things happen for people that that need that kind of assistance and help. Right. I should say that this movie was directed by Lee Daniels, and I think it had a budget of ten million. Wow. And it's made about thirty-two million so far. Yeah. So it's just proof again that you can have a low-budget movie that has you know very big impact. It doesn't have to have a lot of explosions or flash. Right. And just for me, it was more tangible than the Coen Brothers movie, which Absolutely. probably costs at least two times as much. But and lastly, we got to mention that Monique, mm-hmm. uh, her job was she did an impeccable job. Yeah, she did. And I I'm mean, not a huge fan of Monique. I'm not either. But I, I will say, for a lot of those people in that movie, I mean, aside from Gabori Sidibe, like I didn't really. Obviously, she's kind of new, fresh face that nobody's really seen before. But. Right. Monique, Mariah Carey, even Lenny Kravitz, Paula Patton, all these people that I didn't, Sherry Shepard, yeah. all these people that I either didn't know or didn't have very favorable opinions of, I've I've kind of changed the way I think about them. There were even now. classmates that we, yeah. we didn't know, I've never seen before, but they all gave, you know. Great performances. Right. That's, uh, um, Precious's character goes to kind of this alternative high school, and all of her classmates... And, and that's kind of one thing that you see. There's sort of a shift to where she starts seeing what real love is. Right. And that's where you can kind of see her her change, you know, within herself. Um, but these classmates that she had, they all were they all had very distinct characters. Um, but they all were played very well. And, I mean, I, believable. I could see that really happening. Right. And, you know, given kind of the, the environment, the time, the decade, et cetera, they all did pretty well staying within those constraints right and a lot of times even with people that aren't in dire situations such as that when you find yourself in an environment where you can relate to other people mm-hmm. and maybe not outside of that environment it's not so close-knit right you you grab you gravitate you embrace the people like that right it, it's nice to have someone like that to cling to and i don't think precious had that up until that point no. because she definitely didn't have it in the school she was in before right, right. um but yeah, back to Monique. I think if she, definite Oscar contender, she's yeah. got to get nominated. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if she won, though. I, I wouldn't be either. I mean, we'll have to see who the other nominees are. Yeah. But I haven't seen a supporting actress performance like hers no. yet. No, so. neither have I. So, <laughs> so that was uh, that was precious. And what we'll do now is go ahead and and give our rankings to see who gets the closest to that of IMDb dot com. Yeah. So I would give this a 8.4. I would give it an 8.7, 7.5. That's lower than I thought it would be. Mm -hmm. But definite recommend? Yes, absolutely. If you haven't seen it, you should. Yep. She's a little different. She's really mean and she's evil and she's cruel. But at the same time, you almost feel sorry for her because you have to ask the question, What's happened in your life? What did your mother and father do to you? Or who did this horrible thing that your heart has hardened? And it's going to stay in that place until you die. So for those of you who may have been either out of the country or perhaps living in a cave for the last few days, um, Tiger Woods has had a little bit of controversy. controversy. Squeaky clean little Tiger Woods who wouldn't harm a fly. Apparently is having some issues. Domestic issues. Yes. Maybe. Right. This is all a <laughs> legend right now. Well, I'm being judgmental, and I shouldn't. 
But apparently Tiger Woods was leaving his home, I believe this was uh, Friday morning, early Friday morning, yes. around 2.30, 2.25 in the morning. Right. And, his palatial uh, estate. Right, in Florida, Orlando. Mm-hmm. And something something occurred that caused him to run into a fire hydrant and then a tree. Right. And then, according to he and his wife, his wife ran out clutching a, a golf club. Where she, how, why she had a golf club in her hand at the time, or right. two golf clubs, actually. Right. And I guess busted out his window to his SUV and dragged him out. Right. And he was drifting in and out of consciousness. And he had la- facial lacerations and blood coming out of his mouth. Right. And so, the story was that she busted open the window to get him out of the truck. Right, right, yeah. right. Um, so then the questions... Be, well, we have to say that this was all... Uh, prefaced by the fact that there have been some accusations that Tiger has had an affair. Right. With Apparently this woman, Rachel Yucatel, I don't know how to pronounce her name. Okay. But from reading it seems like she's had several affairs with like high profile men. Hmm. Um she was actually had a fiance that died during nine eleven. He was oh. in one of the World Trade Center towers. And she's categorically denying that she had any kind of oh. affair with Tiger Woods. But there's also, she's had statements in the past saying that she keeps her affairs low-key or whatever. Okay. So, you know, you have to take that with a grain of salt. So how did this come out? Like, who who made this accusation or leaked the story? I think it came from National Enquirer. Okay. Which you go, well, you know, how reliable. And I think TMZ as well. Yeah, but, but I sometimes think National, National Enquirer and TMZ leak stories that, that are, are true. Right. And I think they both were in the lead on the whole John Edwards thing. Yeah. So... So they're not just, uh, this isn't just like a trash rag anymore. Like right. they actually have some stealthy reporters. Right. So once investigators. It, it was found out that Tiger was okay, then the questions began. You know, why was he out at 2.25 a.m.? Right. Why would his wife just happen to be walking around with a golf club and just. Why like, would that be her first inclination to come and to, bust out the window of when he obviously was already bleeding and. Right. Well, she said the door was locked, and I don't know if he I was... I still don't understand that, though. What do you mean? I, I don't know. I guess I would think... Maybe an extra set of keys or yeah. something? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But, you know, there's always... But the rumor is that, you know, uh, they had gotten into a bit of a, a fight. Right. When she confronted him about his alleged affair. Right. And she's the one that gave him the lacerations. And... uh perhaps beat him with a golf club who knows <laughs> and they've i guess the state police are trying to or somebody's trying to get with tiger to discuss it he's not legally bound to talk to them right and he won't take any questions they keep right. turning turning investigators them away. away they've done it three times so far so i don't know if this is he and his wife trying to get their story straight right or what but and they're both very private people yes so yes i'm so sure he hates that this is happening well Especially if the story isn't true. Well, if the story is not true, then I feel bad. If the story is true, I don't feel bad. He deserves it. And I'm not saying anybody deserves that kind of public scrutiny. But I think when you dip your pen in the sugar bowl, you need to deal with whatever consequences come. And especially if you're a public figure, you need to realize that those consequences are going to be right, wrong, or indifferent. People feel like they're entitled to a portion of your life when you become a celebrity or you get paid large amounts of money. It's just the way it is. Right. I'm sorry, but it's the way it is. The so exposure you, is going to be exponentially exactly, higher. Exactly. Exactly. And this is the first billion dollar athlete, right. Tiger Woods. Right. And so immediately I'm thinking, what was the prenup? Because this woman could. And seriously. Well, and rightfully so. No. All no, right. we, we. I guess we won't get into that no, whole conversation. But the thing is, why does this keep happening to men? There have to be women out there that are, are doing things they shouldn't be doing. How are they so? How are they able to so easily cover up their indiscretions or keep them, you know, hidden? Do you think that they are though? There's, yeah. I mean, I think about like Meg Ryan and Russell Crowe. I mean, that wasn't. Yeah, but how many years ago was that? 
was like and, and last year, year, how many politicians, male politicians, have we heard about? Yeah, but you also have to look at the ratio of male politicians to female politicians. Well, what I'm saying is, is that you know you have all these actresses, you have, uh, and you have a lot more female politicians than you used to. Nancy Pelosi, mm-hmm. Diane Feinstein, Barbara Boxer. But more than you used to, but I'm saying look at the ratio of male to female politicians. Yeah, but I mean there are a lot of women in the public eye. And it just seems to me that they're not caught with their pants down as frequently as men are. I don't think that women. I don't think that women's indiscretions are are as prevalent as. I, I don't think they're as prevalent. I also don't think that they're necessarily uh, related to sex. And I think sex is way more scandalous than like property or tax evasion or things like that. What do you think they're related to? I don't know. Probably misdeeds Nose of candy. another okay. nature. Nose candy? I don't know about that. <laughs> it's just throwing something out there. All right. Well, I anyway. don't know, though. I, don't, I guess I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that. Well, I think part of it has to, if we're talking about politicians, I think part of it has to do with the fact that, um, one, there's just a higher ratio of men to women. I also think that when it comes to men having affairs, um, women are a lot more likely to talk to friends or get emotionally involved or somehow, like, have a meltdown. Oh, to blab. Right, exactly. But if women were to have affairs with men, I think that's probably a lot less likely to be weak to a friend or men are a lot more mum about their, um, dalliances. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I think that That makes sense. It's probably twofold. Yeah. Right. So anyway, um, we'll be staying on top of that. The whole Tiger Woods yes. debacle. Vigilantly yes. researching. Mm-hmm. Um, so we also saw another movie in the last few days, the, uh, fantastic Mr. Fox. Right. Also based on a, a novel, not by Sapphire, but Roald Dahl. Uh, children's novel. Have you read that? Yes, I have. You have. I've read most of Roald Dahl's books. I don't remember the fantastic Mr. Fox though. Like I did, you know, like James and the Giant Peach and Matilda and all, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it basically follows the story of some foxes, well, a particular fox, who has sort of a human-like life. Um, well, actually, it follows the story of kind of an animal kingdom. There's badgers and bunnies, and um, it sort of gives some personification to these animals. So they've, right. you know, they've got businesses, they go to school, they play sports, they wear clothes, etc. And um, Mr. Fox is actually kind of a reformed criminal of sorts. He used to um, sort of get off on the thrill of stealing from farmers and eating animals and things like that, chickens mostly. Um, But after he and his wife have their first child, he decides that he's not going to do that anymore. But eventually the itch catches up to him, and he decides he, he wants to do some last... So right. a few last jobs there. He becomes a newspaper col- columnist to right. try to go straight. Right. And uh, he ends up moving into a, a bigger tree. Right. Or a, bigger, a tree. A tree. Yeah, he at lives underground. At the base of a tree, right. right. But the tree happens to be in the vicinity of three factories. Uh, well, three farmers, Three farmers. Well, yeah, but there's a... Like a distillery on one of them. There's a chicken whatever. Well, they're farm. like modern day farms. Right, because they're they're like industrial type buildings. Yeah, it's not like a it's like, like cows a, out in the pasture farm. Right, it's like a, a money making farm. Right. So yes, but so he he's tempted to go back into the life of thievery. Right, stealing from what are these farmers' names? Uh, bog, bogus bunts and bean. Yes, and it's a chicken farm and like a duck or goose farm and a cider. Yeah. Alcoholic cider. Right. Um, and he also employs the, the the skills of a 
uh, what animal was that that played Kylie? An opossum. Opossum, right. Um, and then also part of the story is that his his wife's nephew or his nephew comes to stay with them. Christopherson. Yes. Yeah. And this nephew is very athletic and good with the ladies and sort of puts the Mr. Fox's son. Um, Ash. Yeah, Ash yeah. to shame. Who's also who's actually played by Jason Schwartzman. Right. There are some pretty pretty heavy hitters that did the voices of these characters. George Clooney plays Mr. Fox. Mm-hmm. Meryl Streep plays his wife. It was actually supposed to be Kate Blanchett. Oh, really? Yeah, she had to back out for some reason. That would have been interesting to have her do it. Yeah. Um, not that Meryl Streep wasn't. I liked her. Yeah. I like her in most things. Um, Jason Schwartzman. Um, Bill Owen, Murray, Owen Wilson does Owen a voice Wilson. as well. Yeah, Bill Murray, right. um, who's always funny. Right. I love his delivery on stuff like that. He's yeah. so perfect. Um, and there were some others too um, that I can't remember off the top um, of my head. But uh, Willem Dafoe. Yes, that's yeah. right. I forgot about Willem Dafoe. Um, so yeah, it was it was kind of interesting, and it's called it's called something called uh, stop, stop motion stop motion animation. animation. So it was really cool to watch. Like it was, uh, I don't really know what the engineering is behind that but it's it doesn't well, look like a cartoon it doesn't look like anything else you've really seen it's like you take a figure and you take a picture of it and you move it ever so slightly take another picture move it again so it it's like flip books right like where you yeah. but it takes uh, i think they started in five years ago 2004 yeah. i believe that's when production started so it takes quite a bit of time and work and money right, right. it's pretty expensive Although I think this movie costs like thirty million, which is oh, not, not that bad for movie budget, right? Um, and I think they did the like the voiceover work. They didn't really go to a studio. I believe they did it like on a farm or outdoors or something like that, right? And from so. what I read, um, Wes Anderson, the director, would have them actually like the actors actually do the things that the the characters were. So like, if George Clooney was running in place. If if Mr. Fox was running in place, George Clooney had to run in place while he read his lines. Or if um, Jason Schwartzman, uh, Ash, was attempting to woo a girl, he would have her stand next to a girl. So it sounds like they had it. They tried to make it as accurate as possible, which I thought was cool. Yeah. Um, so what do you think? I thought visually it was awesome. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful, beautiful film. Yeah. Um, you know, just down to the, the little tail movements, the hairs on the tail. And um, and like I told you, we had a discussion about the film. Uh, the first 15 minutes, I thought it was going to be my favorite Wes Anderson film. Yeah. And somewhere along the way, I mean, it's a good movie, mm-hmm. but it didn't, I wasn't as enthralled with it towards the end as I thought I would be. Right. But it was enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one thing I do appreciate, and sometimes I see about Wes Anderson films, is uh sometimes i feel like i'm being talked down to there's a certain pretentiousness mm-hmm. to and i'm talking about not like bottle rocket bottle rocket was like one of my favorite and i think it's his first film but yeah. i love that one and rushmore i really enjoyed yeah but like the royal tenenbaums and the life aquatic they were humorous but it's almost i got this feeling of uh look at me i'm being funny look how witty this is exactly like you could never be as witty as this right yeah um i, I didn't feel that way with the fantastic Mr. Fox, and maybe that's because it's he's kind of constrained by the fact that he didn't write. It's not a, an original work, right? And he, I think it was also. I mean, I think they made it more for children as well. So, right. Obviously, you can't be too assholey <laughs> if you're talking to kids, right? But I, having said that, I, I I like Wes Anderson a lot, mm-hmm. and I appreciate even his efforts that don't work with me so much. Right. I appreciate the fact that he's kind of going in a different direction than a lot of other, you know, directors and yeah. writers. Absolutely. So, but yeah, a, an enjoyable movie. Not great to me, but I I enjoyed it. Right. It was entertaining. Right. So, I, I agree with you on the ending, but I didn't I didn't think it was that it wasn't enthralling. I just thought. It drug on a little bit. That's. I think they lost me after a certain point. I thought, okay, we need to just wrap this up. It's getting too, too drawn out, okay. for lack of a better word. But I liked it. I did think it was beautiful. It was impeccable. I mean, I guess like when I think about children and kind of their imagination, I thought that was... The, uh, yes, you're absolutely right. Yeah, that was... It was dead on. To That's, me, this was more imaginative visually just more stunning to me than where the wild things are yeah um yeah 
So in, in that way, I agree with you. I mean, and it's some, some of the details, just the eyes sometimes when the possum gets the crazy eyes and <laughs> stuff like that, I appreciate you know little nuances and stuff like that. But, right. And it was clever and funny. So yeah. it wasn't, I, I wouldn't, I would say go see it in the theaters. I wouldn't wait till it comes out on video or anything like that. I thought it was good enough to, to catch it at the, at the movie theater. I agree. And I also want to point out that Meryl Streep kind of is breaking the mold as far as, you know, a lot of times you think of these Hollywood actresses, and they've said in the past, you know, once you hit 40, your mm-hmm. career is over. Right. But she's probably the hottest, one oh, yeah. of the hottest actresses out there. Mm-hmm. And she's, I mean, she did Julie and Julia this year. She did this movie. She's got a, it's complicated. What's the name of that movie with Alec Baldwin? Oh, and yeah. Steve I think it's called It's Complicated. Something like that. Right. So you have to appreciate a woman that's probably approaching 60 mm-hmm. is working harder than and well, she did several movies last year too. Doubt, yeah. and I know there were a couple others. Right. Um, she's just like a little machine. Yeah. And she's so smart and so like, uh, not gossipy and appreciative of other women. I just uh, it's nice to see like an actress who's not. And she's not in a tablet. She's not like a Lindsay Lohan or right. You know, she seems to have a strong family and right. I so like her. I respect her too. Yep. So, um, what what would you rate the Fantastic Mr. Fox oh, at, um, William? I'll give it a six point seven. I'd give it a seven point two. Eight point one. So that's good. Yep, that's good. And like I said, it costs uh, thirty million to make, and it's only made ten million after being. I don't know if it's in wide release yet. Yeah, but, but it's a hard time of year too to release a movie like that because it's kind of. I guess I'd say it's niche Like, kids will want to see it, but there's been a lot of cartoons and things like that that have come out lately that yeah. I think... And I think if they had brought it out around Christmas, they would have had to contend with, uh, like, the Princess and the Frog right. and All whatever the, else. the holiday stuff that comes out. Right. So... So, yeah, go check it out. Mm-hmm. There's a, I have a couple blogs that I sort of follow, um, one of which is by um, Dr. Stacy. <laughs> She's actually trying to write a book about eating disorders, um, and she kind of contends that most or every woman does have an eating disorder, whether it's um, you know something that's clinically diagnosed like anorexia or bulimia or just um, sort of re- restrictive, obsessive eating, um, compulsive overeating, etc., which... Um, not to get too far into it, I, I I don't necessarily disagree with that, just knowing the women in my life, my own life, my friends, etc. But anyway, there was one blog that she wrote last week that I kind of found interesting, and it's about Christian Louboutin, who, if you don't know who that is, he's a French designer who's mainly famous for his, well, shoes. That's, the, that's his kind of claim to fame. And they are beautiful, fantastic shoes far outside of my budget or any budget like I could Manolo, ever dream of. Manolo Blahniks. Yeah, they're like, you know, whatever hot designer. Okay. Kate Spade, Marc Jacobs, whatever. Pretty much any high-end couture fashion. Is he a Paris guy or what? Yes, he's French. Okay. He's from the south of France. All right. I'm just kidding. I don't know if he's from the south. I just like saying that. <laughs> um, but Mr. Le Bouton was asked to design some shoes for Barbie. Well, actually, design three di- three different Barbie dolls. And everybody knows who Barbie is. You know, she's cute, blonde, constantly on her tippy toes so she can fit into cute little heels. And I played with Barbies when I was a kid. I'm not one of those people that has a Barbie complex who's like, oh, my gosh, it's terrible. We shouldn't let our children play with Barbies. It's a doll. Yeah. My mom collected Barbies for a yeah, while. Yeah. Actually, my great-grandmother did, not she gave me several mint condition barbies that i still have in the boxes so i kind of i like barbie i think it's cool it's fashiony it's great for for the girly girl um and i had a great time playing with them when i was a little kid well mr le bouton has said that um and and i think probably everyone has heard the fact that barbie the barbie doll itself isn't necessarily designed to the scale of an actual woman um her measurements are actually disproportionate i read an article once that said her chest 
was too large based on, I think it was her ankles or something, that if it were a real woman, she'd actually fall over. But I don't think that's the point. Like, what doll, aside from maybe, like, little realistic baby dolls, what doll is designed to scale based on, like, what an actual woman looks like? Cabbage Patch dolls aren't, like, real babies. Like, I think people just need to get over that. Mm -hmm. It's a fantasy. It's fun. It's cute. But anyway, Mr. LeBouton has said that Barbie's ankles would actually be, in real life, would actually be too large to wear his shoes. So he has decided that he is going to actually shave Barbie's ankles down, re- redesign her legs so that they can fit into Christian Louboutin's um, shoes that he would design. Barbie shoes. Not real person shoes. Barbie shoes. Right. And at first I was like, okay, I can't get upset about this and not get upset about other things. Like, other other people that, that criticize Barbie and think she's, like, terrible and such a... Uh, a contributing force to women's self-deprecation. But it did kind of bother me. <laughs> and there's a few reasons why. And Dr. Stacy talks about this a little bit in her blog. Um, but mainly just, I think fashion designers on a whole sort of have this air that you need to be a certain size, shape, or figure to fit into their clothes, not that their clothes need to fit a woman. Okay. The other thing is, this is Barbie. Like, really? You can't make, like, the little plastic strap on your uh, on your little boots that you make a little bit bigger so that it can fit over Barbie's already existing leg size and measurement? Now, who's who's making the change? Who's uh, Are the makers... Who makes Barbie? Mattel? I don't Mattel know. does. But from what I gathered from this article, he like, he's going to do the design. Mattel will actually manufacture the Barbie that looks... That, that has, has the, the angles that can fit correct, into the shoes. Correct. Okay. From what I've gathered. And so this bothers you? It does bother me a little bit. Okay. Now, you know, you, you just said that it's a fantasy. Right. And that these these Barbie dolls can't be perfectly proportioned. They, you know, they're well, not directly that's... reflective of the, the women that are walking around today. Right. So, you know, maybe people need to just get over the fact that her boobs aren't perfectly proportioned for the, with the rest of her body. Right. So... If if they're changing the ankles, what's the big deal? It's just a doll. Well, I guess that's my point. Like, those are the ankles she has, so just put a shoe on them that fits. Like, why does it have to be, why does there have to be, like, some snarky headline of this? This is Barbie's ankles are too fat. I guess it's like the 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 sort of visual imagery that you get when somebody because it says kind of like one of the headlines for this is Barbie has cankles right. exclamation point <laughs> like sort of the visualness that has to go behind this and saying well actually her ankles are too fat like well just that's somebody pointing that out the fact is is that you know if somebody hadn't grabbed onto this news story nobody no one probably would have known that her ankles have been trimmed down a little bit to fit these shoes. I'm sure well, it's this a pretty public. I mean, anytime a new Barbie is designed, it's a pretty public thing. Right. So, well, okay. I mean, it's not like this is done in secret anytime. Anytime there's like a new. Would it have been that noticeable? If so I, I don't think it would have been noticeable at all. But I, what I think caused the problem was that Christian Louboutin told this magazine that Barbie's ankles were too fat. Well, he's trying to sell shoes. Right. He wants his shoes to look so good on the doll. So just put the shoe on the doll. I mean. I guess he doesn't want to redesign ankles. his shoes. But he's having to redesign a, them anyway to fit a Barbie. It's not like we're putting a human shoe on a Barbie. I, I understand that. But perhaps to him, they would look a bit unflattering on a Barbie with cankles. <laughs> and I, I'm being humorous here. I but, know, but, I, and, I, but I think it's all kind of stupid because it, <laughs> it's a doll. Right. And the fact is, like you said, it's a fantasy. And I do think that they need to create dolls that reflect the way women look today because the problem with Barbie and a lot of dolls, I'm thinking as far as an African-American, right. is that a lot of young African-American girls would pick the white dolls instead of the black dolls. There's a whole thing of image in this society. You're right. You're right. And so you need to, to boost the image of you know individuals that don't fit what people think is the mold of perfection. And I do think that's changing, though, because I have seen more. And I have a f- close friend who has a daughter that's half Mexican and half American. And she actually, I mean, she has taken that onus and she buys all different color shapes, 
dolls, etc. Like one of her her child's apparently was kind of controversial in her family, but one of her child's favorite uh, dolls is a, a black baby doll. Hmm. But she purposefully did that so that her daughter would kind of have this would know like these thing these people look different. Like you're not always, not everybody looks like us, right? Which I think is an important message to to teach to children. And I don't disagree with that. I, I don't think that I don't want to take away from that argument because I think there needs to be better representation of how women look. But I think for Barbies, as they were designed, as they were intended, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't. But are you telling me that in the, the, however many years that Barbie has existed, she hasn't, other parts of her body haven't been changed? Yeah, I think that they have, but I don't think it's been changed for a shoe. Well, I don't understand what the difference is. If they've been changed for, you know, capri pants or for a blouse what's the I, but difference? I don't think they that's what i'm saying i don't think they've been changed to fit into a piece of clothing i actually think her measurements if i recall correctly that they were expanded a little bit so that she wasn't as tiny as she was 20 years ago okay i think that barbie is imperfect in that she represents the ideal to some but okay. she's just a plain Jane doll to me. Okay. I'd much rather have a, a, a... If I had a kid, I probably wouldn't get a, a Barbie doll. What if somebody else bought your kid a Barbie doll? Well, then, I mean, if the kid wanted it, there's nothing I can do about that. But I would buy her, or him, other dolls of, <laughs> You'd buy of a lot doll? of different... If he wanted dolls, a lot of different flavors, different shapes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so... The fact that they're going to shave off part of her ankles doesn't bother me because I'm against the... It doesn't... I guess that's not the part that bothers me. What bothers me is like this this connotation that that there's only a certain body type that can wear Christian Louboutin shoes. Is that true or not? Well, yes, that's true. If, if, her, if her ankles were too fat to wear these shoes... I mean, her her ankle to leg ratio isn't that much different than an average like heavy woman. Mm-hmm. So, well, in real life, and what are, about women are his that shoes have only made for a certain size? Yes, you have to have very narrow feet. I mean, they're not they're made for all different sizes, but you have to have small feet. Okay, you have to have a small frame. <laughs> okay, I so that's my that's my point. Like, why doesn't he make shoes for? A wider range of feet. Well, why is he? Why is he taking this? What's or what? Something that already makes women feel badly about themselves and putting it in a doll that little girls will play with and see. You know what I mean? I, I see what you're saying, but he's a capitalist, and okay. people choose to buy his shoes, and they choose to pay a lot of money for his shoes. You're right. All right, let's move on. And I also want to say about this blog. Yeah. She says my contention is that every woman has an eating disorder. Hmm. Well, my contention is that almost every person has an eating disorder of some sort. Maybe it's more, uh, uh, maybe you can see it more with women because you don't, and I mean, anorexia, bulimia. Mm -hmm. I wonder how many men suffer from. It's a much smaller percentage than it is in women. Well, much smaller of reported cases. The contention is that men don't report as often as women do when they have uh, symptoms of an eating disorder. Okay. That's that's my only... Mm-hmm. I think most people overall have an eating disorder. I think Body most images. Americans do. I think a lot of Americans do. Okay. I don't necessarily know I agree that with it that. is in other countries. Yeah. Okay. But I think she's just focusing on women. Right. Here. That's fine. And I'll probably start reading this because... <laughs> I had a lot more to say about it than I thought I would. So, really? Yeah. Well, that's good. Christian Louboutin says Barbie has cankles and won't fit the three designs he's creating for her, so the doll's legs are going to have some plastic surgery. Scalpel? No, not that one. The other one. Um, okay. So, <laughs> to get to kind of our third and final movie review, um... Yesterday, William and I went and saw, or day before yesterday, doesn't really matter, we went and saw the movie An Education, um, which stars Carrie Mulligan, Peter Sarsgaard. Um, Alfred Molina. Alfred Molina, yes. Olivia Williams. and Who played the, the wife? Ro- 
uh, is that Olivia Williams? No, Olivia Williams was the teacher. Emma oh. Thompson also has a, a small role in the movie as well. Rosamund Pike. Is that how you pronounce her name? Yes. Rosamund Pike plays, she plays a supporting character. She's kind of a, a friend of Peter Sarsgaard's, but she also, you may remember her, she was a Bond girl, I think in Die Another Day. Okay. Because that's where I knew I recognized her from somewhere, but I couldn't place it. But I think that's, I think she played a Bond girl in that She movie. has a scary resemblance to Faith Hill. Yes. Yeah. Like an alarming resemblance. Right. But um, an education is a bit of a coming-of-age tale. Um, it follows the story of a woman or a girl named Jenny, who is very intelligent. Um, she attends kind of a, a woman's preparatory school or a girl's preparatory school. Her father's really pushing her to get into Oxford. Um, she's and she's kind of on that track to to go in that direction. She's a bit bookish, I guess you could say, at the beginning of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, you can tell studies are very important. She kind of has this nerdy-ish boyfriend kind of situation <laughs> happening. Um, and her friends all seem kind of on the same track that she is. She's close with her English teacher. Who, she's like the the top student in her class, etc. Um, but she eventually, she, she meets kind of by chance, or so she thinks this. They never really say his age. But I guess Peter... I'm thinking he's about twice her age. Yeah, I would say he was like... And her character is 16, 17 in the movie. I would say he was 35. That would have been my my guess. Um, But he uh, sort of by happenstance runs into her and kind of starts inviting her. Once they have a conversation for the first time and he sees that she sort of wants to break out of the mold that she's in and wants to be much more cosmopolitan and sort of... um, what's not cultured but you know well traveled things like that um he takes an interest in her right he's probably i don't i haven't read the book we, it's based on a um, autobi- autobiography right um of this british journalist right and i so i haven't read the book but it seems like maybe he was initially drawn to her because he first sees her in the rain when she's carrying her cello cello yeah, yeah. So maybe that's what draws him in initially, or maybe he's had his eye on her for a while. Yeah, you never really find out kind of how he found her. Right. Um, So that that is still sort of a mystery. Right. Um, But basically, he's very charming. He, uh, despite this kind of age difference, charms her parents into letting her hanging out with them through kind of a series of manipulations. Right. Um, And also charms her um, as being sort of this... World, worldly, that's the word I was looking for, this worldly sophisticate who um, goes to great restaurants and listens to great music and um, enjoys art and literature um, and also apparently has quite a bit of money. Um, so that's kind of where the, the launch pad of the story, and it, it unfolds very quickly. The, the relationship happens quickly. This isn't kind of a meandering story. Right. Everything happens sort of segmentally. and Yes. As the story goes along, I mean, I won't give anything away, but she begins to see chinks in the armor of the guy that mm-hmm. of this guy David, and so you know, certain decisions have to be made, right. and sh- other people out- outside of this relationship kind of see the direction she's in which she's going. Some push her one way, some push her another way, and so yeah, like you said, it's a coming of age. It's probably the biggest one of the biggest kind of decisions and choices she has to make in her life right so but yeah david's very charismatic he's very persuasive he's able to he's a kind of a mover and shaker he's able to do things uh mm-hmm. you know that help him that maintain allow him lifestyle. to maintain that lifestyle right yes and he also um well what i will say though about this kind of story is even though it's set uh in the 60s in was it London or I know it was yeah. England, but she I, was, didn't, yeah. I didn't know the specific city. Um, she still is dealing with kind of those conflicted feelings that I think every teenage girl feels like, do I, do I stay on the track that I know is right? Do I go I, the safe route? Or exactly. Do I, you know. do I, do I tempt fate a little bit? Um, how much of a role do I let my boyfriend play in my decisions, especially when you're thinking about college and things like that? I mean, I thought not it was, only her boyfriend, I mean her parents, exactly her headmistress, other instructors, yeah. Especially when you're intelligent and you do well in school, I think you have a lot of people kind of pulling at you to do different things with that that gift, right? Um, and so that it resonated with me on from that 
aspect because I remember kind of feeling those feelings when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say there were there were some things I really liked about this movie and a couple of things that kind of bothered me about it. I related to the character um, because I know what it feels like to be kind of that smart, not mousy, but just someone that, that people don't really look upon as being, um, first of all, pretty, but also like um, sort of worldly and, and wanting to, like yearning for things outside of just what fits in your little box of a life. That was the first thing. Um, I just lost my train of thought. You said something bothered you. Oh, now what, what kind of bothered me about that was there were some kind of cliched moments and lines in the movie, and I don't want to give them away um, for sure, but there's some things about the characters that you, you learn in time that I thought were a little formulaic, I guess, mm-hmm. um, and that sort of took away from the overall story for me. Um, and I also... I was also a little bit annoyed with the female characters in the movie too. Um, not Jenny. I thought Jenny was great, but like her teacher and the headmistress of the school. Um, I, I just, I didn't feel like she had any great adult role models in the movie at all. None of them really know what to knew what to say to her. They all seemed to have their own agenda. None of them were able to set aside who they were really, except for this teacher, I think um, to, guide her in the right direction even the teacher i think didn't do the greatest job of it it was almost at the point where it was too late that she really kind of manned up and and stepped in right although you i, I got the feeling or i kind of wondered if this teacher that was trying to lead her in the right direction had experienced um, something similar right when she was younger and there is something what i will say is there is something to be said about letting people figure things out for themselves and that's something you and i kind of talked about like we both felt like none of these people really guided her in the way that we thought they should have but i also know when you're that i remember how i was at that age and you couldn't tell me anything right like i had to figure it out for myself and sometimes it hurt a lot but i figured it out for myself you know yeah yeah i think with her she was a very strong-willed person Mm -hmm. i don't think you could have forced her to do one thing, but she would have done the other thing. So right. even if the the parental figures in her life had said, you know, you are doing this, she seemed like the type of woman that would have climbed out the bedroom window or whatever right. and done the opposite. So, but like you, I, I didn't, I enjoyed the movie, but I didn't like any of the characters as far as people, as not the actors, but the mm-hmm. actual people, the characters in the film. Okay. There was nothing endearing about them. There was not a real protagonist to me. Um, okay. Even Jenny, I, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm older, but there was, you know, she annoyed. She annoyed me. <laughs> well, I think she was supposed to. Because I thought if this woman is this young woman is so bright mm-hmm. and she's read all these books, she has to know that you know she may not be going in the right direction. But sometimes it doesn't matter. And that's one thing that you and I mean, we talked about this a little right. bit. I, I She really resonated with me because I know what that feels like to like know that something's not right and know that you're like ignoring really big glaring issues. Right. Sometimes it just has to blow up in your face. And maybe that's just a girl thing. Maybe it's a woman thing. No, maybe it's, I've been there, too. Like I said, I'm older now. And so I need to go back to 20 years ago and. Right. Remember, I felt that way as well. Right. So uh, that's why she. I, I liked her character more so than anybody else. But there's certain statements, like a statement she makes at the very end of the film, mm-hmm. that kind of annoyed me. Because as a guy, I'm wondering, because she's been through this, how many men in her future are going to have to suffer due to this relationship, the baggage she carries from well, this Well, that's any relationship, men or women. You don't know men who carry baggage into their oh, relationships? Oh, I know they do. I know they do, but I'm, you know, I'm looking at it from a male perspective. Well, I think you're being a little judgmental. I am being, I'm being very judgmental. I realize that. But being a guy and being, you know, I'm the guy that uh, wouldn't have, I wasn't the David character. Mm-hmm. I was more like the, the boyfriend i don't think i was that bad but mm-hmm. i was you know the rejected one but eventually every guy becomes a david i don't know about that <laughs> just kidding no, but no. i'm just the guy that ended up getting the girls that had the davids previously and had to deal with the stuff that they brought so you've never been the david not even in the least not really really <laughs> 
I don't think so. Okay. Um, so anyway, I would recommend seeing it in the theater now while it's out. There's also been some uh, Oscar buzz for Carrie Mulligan, who plays Jenny, the, the lead character. And I thought she did a great job. She did. So I wouldn't be surprised if she were nominated. I don't know if she'd win, but right. I thought that, that she had a pretty strong performance. Um, so anyway, what rating would you give? Um, I'd give it a 7.2. I'd give it a 7.8. I guarantee you it's got a high rating. You think? Yep. Well, one thing I will say about films like this, their reputation sometimes precedes them. Yeah. Because it's like once once the media kind of get, not even the media, but even like these um, like institutions that rate and score movies, film festivals, et cetera, right. once, they, once they sort of get that little little uh but it's going yeah it doesn't matter how crappy the movie is everyone's like oh it's fantastic you right have to see it and i so. think that happened with this movie and with precious you think so? both good movies but right. i'm saying they all had this buzz that it, but i think it's good in a way when it's a great film right because otherwise nobody wouldn't know anything about it it's exactly. like with precious i will say that about tyler perry yes and oprah winfrey without them it probably wouldn't have gotten the promotion that it, that did. it did so yeah, you're right um, and education has a 7.8, which is what you said, right? That's right. Yeah, so very good. Right on. Okay. All right. So that's that's our three movie reviews. Um, if there's anything you'd like for us to see or you'd like to tell us about, you can email us at vagabondexchange at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook under Vagabond Exchange. Um, we don't have any trips coming up, but I'm sure with the holidays around the corner, there will be lots of uh, tomfoolery and shenanigans to report. And, of course, movie reviews abound. Right. Um, uh, what movies... We have Up and Away. We have a lot coming up. Is it Up and Away? Up and Away, Brothers, um, Up in the Air. Up in, up the, in air. the Air. Brothers, there's something else that came, comes out next week that we talked about seeing. Yeah. So. Um, but lots of stuff that's the holiday season, so you know that we'll be rife with movie reviews. Yep. And remember, December 29th, if you happen to have Bulls tickets, Check <laughs> us up. Send, this, send them our way. <laughs> Until then. Before leaving, make sure you have all of your personal belongings. Use caution when opening the overhead bins, as items may have shifted during the flight. We thank you for flying with us today. We truly appreciate your business and look forward to serving you on a future flight.